Welcome to PALS Talks Literacy, a podcast created for Project Adult Literacy Society. In this podcast, we talk about literacy in all of its forms and the impact it has on people's lives. Today, we're talking with Anna, a student at Grant McEwen who's learning about design and looking at how literacy and design affect one another. I'm Anna Burry. I'm from McEwen University and I do graphic design in the design studies program. And what year are you in? I just finished. I'm out of the design program now. <laughs> so the PALS project was your? It was my final project of the four years that I was there. It's amazing. This is our second podcast, and we are talking about the importance of design and how literacy can be incorporated into design in websites, but also into design of logos. Anna is our expert, and just to sort of recap some of the research that you did for the website that you created this semester, what were some of the key points that you found in your research? In my research, I definitely encountered some studies, one specifically by Katherine Summers. It kind of talked about things like the scroll line. You don't want to um, have information below it. Um, a quote from her says that you want to keep each element of the form above the scroll line. If the form is longer than one screen, you want to break it into several pages. Just because that information isn't always known because it's it comes with digital literacy to know that there is a scroll line. So it's difficult for people to understand that. Um, another thing was to keep the navigation menus when you have those navigation menus. And I actually did encounter that when I did it with some students that usually they'll just completely ignore it, mostly because it's just a list of words, which if you're not literate can be very intimidating to people. So they usually just ignore it. And that navigation system just doesn't make sense as well as if they don't look like buttons, they kind of just look like words on um, a strip of color or non-color. So it can be very difficult for them. So, and as few navigation items as possible because it can get really overwhelming to see too many things happening on the screen. Were there any surprises when you did your research? And this could be research on literacy in general or literacy and websites. Yeah, I guess kind of when I was talking to you, I didn't know about like the drop downs. And another thing I had encountered was like those hamburger menus, just those like three lines that that was definitely one of the things in my research that um, I did not expect to encounter that people just didn't know it because you kind of get this digital language as you're growing up or, you know, as you use technology that you just incorporate it as a language, but just like literacy, you know, when you don't understand it, those things that you see as completely understandable are a completely different language to another person. So that was definitely something. It's not something that you even, and I still get surprised by this when you're working with someone and you are like, oh, well, you just do this. And one of the things that caught me this week was zip drives or zip folders. Zip folders, yeah. See, and, I didn't know those either. <laughs> well, but someone was emailed, one of my students was emailed the zip folder mm, because yeah. there was way too much information and they had no idea how to deal with that because when you look in Google, it'll show you the files within it. But if you don't go back to download, you can't yeah. download it from that screen. Yeah. And so they had no idea. They're like, well, we can't open anything. And I was like, oh, zip folders. That's another thing we need to start teaching <laughs> because I, 
it's not that it's necessarily logical to everyone else because I'm not saying people wouldn't be like, oh, why can't I download from the screen? But they would probably then go back. But if you have no idea, you just get stuck on that screen and you start getting frustrated, right? Yeah, that was another thing in the research that I encountered um, that really, really um, guides a lot of the work I do now, I think, was seeing just how much of an impact that frustration has on someone's self-esteem and on their life. It's really hard for people to understand these systems that are really complicated and they blame themselves, which is one of the things I've learned is it's always the designer, right? If something isn't working for you, it's because we didn't design it to be intuitive enough for you. But people usually, it has a huge effect on them is what I noticed. Definitely. A lot of our learners, they just get so frustrated and they're so down on themselves. Yeah. And they're like, no, if you don't know what that means, it means we need to teach it to you. It doesn't mean that you should have known it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that, especially with adult learners, because it comes so, in their opinion, it comes so naturally to younger people, they find that that's really stressful for them. And I have said to them, I'm like, that's not true. The difference yeah. is the younger people are learning it in school. Yeah, we did. And yeah. so they've got it at every level. Yeah. And if you don't know, there's a teacher standing behind you saying, well, this is your next step. It's something everybody had to learn. Like it was never just something that someone picked up and was like, oh, I know how to use this. Like I remember learning it in school. I remember teaching my parents a little bit of it or you know, you'd have to read up on it. It's not an intuitive thing. <laughs> and I think the other main part with that is maybe the idea of researching it on your own mm-hmm. and knowing how to do that. That's key yeah. for all digital literacy, but also just knowing that it's available. Yeah. Because- yeah that extra piece where we can look it up on our own, where we can figure this out, knowing where and how to do that isn't intuitive. Yeah, it's definitely a skill to know how to like find that information as well, which makes it complicated if you're trying to look up how to use digital systems on a digital system. (laughs) Yes, that is 100% for sure. (laughs) We're trying to teach digital systems on a digital system. Yeah. Very, very fun to do. When you were designing your site, what key things did you look for or did you incorporate in that were really important? When it came to the learner side, I created two different paths, one for the learners and one for the donors. So with the donors, anything below that scroll line was going to be information for them. And then I had a button that said learners and a little arrow. And that was something that the students, when I showed them, they did click on. But when I was designing the site, I was very careful to make sure that there was a place for learners that they could, you know, have all that information that they needed because it wasn't just for the online school. When I was doing interviews, they really loved to know different learner stories, which is actually really easy to incorporate because some of them are actually videos. That makes it really easy. Um, and then when I couldn't have the the video aspect of things, I had these little buttons that had little headphones on them, which originally were like little speaker icons. Um, yeah. But that wasn't something that was super intuitive for everybody. But headphones was an icon that people could understand. So I used those. I think one of the solutions that I found, because it's a very tricky concept, how do you design for people who can't read on a website? And videos contain no, you don't have to read anything, right? And you can even teach the system through the video. So with my idea, I was thinking you could show how to use that system through the video. And 
really, really nice for me was that the students immediately wanted to click on that video after they clicked on the learners button. So you could teach that whole system in a video and eliminate all that frustration that people experience and taking all the guesswork out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, the videos make a huge, huge difference for our learners. And you can watch them again. If you didn't get yeah. it for the first time, you can watch it again. Yeah, and you can pause them. And actually one of the studies said that um, user interface design for low literate and novice users, past, present, and future, which was an article um, said that video output has been used to help low literate users overcome the inability to read texts. And secondly, it has been found that the use of voice-based health instructions allow an application to be more autonomously used. So, you know, people feel like they can use that independently without help when they have those helps. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you made it the headphones because that definitely was when you came in to show us, mm -hmm. um, our learners were like, no, no, I want to listen. Yeah. They weren't even sure how to, yeah. So sorry to describe what I was just doing. They grabbed like, like the idea of putting headphones to their ears yeah, they did. and they weren't sure even how to use their language to ask for that, but they knew that they could listen online. And yeah. so having that accessibility and having that level of our entry point for them is the best for sure way to go. Yeah, that was one of the best informations I got from one of the students was that she kept saying, you know, I asked her, you know, where would you click if you wanted to listen to the things that are on the page? And she kept saying, listen, and she would do that little headphones movement where as if she was putting on headphones. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's the symbol that I need to use because I think there could be even further research and more testing done on what would be the perfect symbol for that because I think that's a tricky one to get. <laughs> well, for sure. And when you said, oh, I think I'm gonna switch it to headphones. I thought you already had that on the site because I knew you could listen, but mm -hmm. I wasn't sure having seen so many icons and it's something that I deal with all the time. I didn't even think about the speaker as being something that wasn't necessarily universal. Right, like, I remember so, you said and I was like, oh yeah. And I immediately thought, except, they wouldn't know that symbol. That's just something we learned. It's such an odd symbol too. It doesn't even look like a speaker. Well, and then there's the ones where they have like sort of part of a face and then yeah. like sound waves coming out. But even that isn't okay. as intuitive maybe as the headphone. Like yeah, that's the one I use. Yeah, the, like the one with the, the, the head and the, the words coming out or, you know, those little icons for words. That, that one wasn't intuitive, so yeah. I find that fascinating. And I wonder if it's because there aren't a lot of websites that are as accessible. Yeah. And so they don't know that you can click on that to listen. Yeah, yeah I, think I do love your headphones. They're very cute. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> did you find all of your logos or did you draw and create your logos? Uh, the headphones icon is um, a plugin into the system that I use. So I didn't create the, the headphones one. But you created all of the other ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I saw I remember seeing your notebook drawing. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. When we've got your path that you have designed for our learners and for our um, tutors and our funders and donors and all of that. So you had the scroll line being your point of access for learners. So everything above the scroll line was kind of meant for our learners to look at. Yeah. And then below our scroll line was what you would have for the tutors, donors, and volunteers. Exactly. Yeah. Members. 
especially on the learner side, I had like that class info thing where you had the calendar and you could see different classes because that's something that they would want. Um, but for donors, um, it's different information, right? Like the learners don't need to know why literacy is so impactful and, and how it affects people's lives. I think they live it every day. So, but that's information the donors would want. So that's why below the scroll line, you get all this information about how literacy affects people, what a problem it is and all those different aspects as well as like, you know, to become a donor and to become a tutor. So those are all things that would be applied to what they would need, which is why I created that separate path because that information is inaccessible in words and then also not something they need. Right, the information that you've got below is just really well laid out, it's well organized, it looks, if they did scroll, so if yeah. our learners did scroll, it does make it in a way that's really, I wouldn't use the word simplistic, but not in a negative way. It's very well organized. I think they could still grasp some of it. Like, even though they can't read, they'd see all these smiling faces from the program. They'd see all these different aspects of things that they can't do that they'd want to do. I think it would still be something that they could do, but I don't think, I think the reason a lot of the people that I was testing did scroll was because they weren't digitally literate. But the one that I did who wasn't very digitally literate and couldn't um, read very well, she never scrolled, never saw her try to scroll. So that was definitely something that you've taught your learners. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because when you said the scrolling, I'm like, you do scroll. But then I wonder now, like they scroll, but they don't know what they're looking for. Exactly. So if it isn't on the top of the screen, mm -hmm. they're just scrolling and clicking because they haven't found what they're looking for and they're not sure what to do. Yeah. But with your website, when they came into the class, I had them click on the website to go to it. They instantly knew what to do. They instantly knew where they should go, what they should click on. They were very annoyed that you did not have a video there for them to watch because they all clicked that button 20 times. I know. And it's good that they clicked it, but yeah, there's nothing there, but I'm glad that they clicked it. It means that if you did have a video there, it would work. Well, it was, it was perfect. It was just not quite, this fine, but they yeah. knew and they were confident. And a lot of times when I go and say, okay, we're going to go to this website, it's almost like the panic level in the room rises. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a visual thing, but it's just kind of this feeling. Yeah. And the day that you came, we had probably the most people ever come at the same time. And they all kind of had their own devices, which adds a different level because some of them work and sometimes they don't and some of them connect and sometimes they don't. And I was a little worried, but here they all got on. They all knew what to do. And so I think that says a lot about how your website looks, how it works and the accessibility for our learners. Yeah, I really was surprised at that because you kind of go in thinking like, oh, this is one of the hardest things. How are they going to be able to use this? But yeah, they all clicked on that learner's button. They all went through, they could click um, those buttons, like those big blue buttons. Like they clicked on those. They knew that that was what was clickable because it was the only thing that was kind of out of place on the page was these big blue buttons. So that worked really well for them, which I'm really glad. <laughs> I think the idea of having events and learner stories and the class information's on the top as well. Yeah. They wanted to see, and they were, I think in a way they were a little annoyed that it <laughs> didn't go further in the sense that they were like, oh my God, I can use this one. Cool, when when do we go to this class? And they were like ready to download their whole calendars. 
That's and I know a couple of the learners since then, because mm-hmm. I left your site on there, they've gone back in and when are you going to update this? And I was like, oh. <laughs> wow, the fact that they went back because they like it so much that they wanted it to be functional is amazing. Well, and I think it speaks a lot to accessibility. They're like, this one worked for me. I know how to do this. This is what we should be doing. And so it really helps that way. It's great. And you've got all of the sound buttons on each thing. So if they were unsure which button to click on because of the language, although you also have an icon beside everything for like events, it's a calendar page and learner stories, it's a chair, class information, it's a big question mark. So they're able to sort of see what they need to do. And then the video is there for them as well. And then that big school to go to our soon, maybe, hopefully, it might never happen, management system for them to connect, start working through, which is really great. Yeah, that's all amazing to hear. It's so satisfying to know when things work, when you 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 had all that research behind it and all that time. So it's really amazing to hear that. Yeah. Um, We've talked about this kind of all the way through about how the website's laid out and everything's very clear and well organized for that. Would you like to talk about your logo? Yeah, I'd love to. So So you're going to have to describe it because we're sound only. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. So the logo is basically three people of different colors. Um, You've got orange, blue, and green. And they have their arms outstretched. And then above them, you have the different icons for the different programs. You have um, a computer, a book, and um, what's the last? A computer, a book, and the math symbols, right? Yeah. It's hard when it's not in front of me. (laughs) In front of me, that's why I can tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. So those represent all the different programs at Palettes. You've got the book for the LELL and the literacy, the computer for the digital, and then the math for the math literacy, which I actually was able to use on the actual website too, is like the different icons um, to represent the programs. The different colors was expressed by the students that it was very welcoming and inclusive because it showed no matter what skin color, no matter what background, you're welcome here. The excitement of coming to Palace is expressed in the arms upraised. And then the, the aspect of the place being a place of learning is expressed through the book. So not only is it literacy, but people also found it was, you know, expressive of learning. So yeah, it's a very, you know, welcoming, inclusive logo through the colors and the icons. It was really nice that the students really felt it. It represented, they said, the spirit of PALS, which was really delightful to hear. Definitely. And I just want to add in that there's three people standing together and the person in the middle, it's like they have their arms around the other two. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's like a very much community oriented as well, which was another word that they said a lot while we were talking to them is the, the feeling of community and the feeling of family when they come to PALS was really also expressed through this as well, which is fantastic. When I was doing the sketches, I had those words that I felt represented palace just like up on the paper while I was doing the different uh, variations and sketches. And I had community, inclusion, friendliness, family, like all these different things that represented palace along with learning. But like, the biggest aspect for me was that community. That's why I had the, the arms around each other because it was such a community feeling that these people got. You know, it was friendship. It was, it was a lack of isolation because I can't imagine when you can't talk to people it's really nice to come to a place where you can talk to people. Therefore, it's that one place or it's community and a lack of isolation and friendship. So it was one of the things that I was really focusing on when I was creating that logo. 
It's really interesting that you say isolating because as soon as you said that, my brain went instantly pandemic, lockdown, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. because that's all we've lived in for the last two years. But really having low literacy really does isolate you anytime. It's not just during COVID. Everyone was isolated through COVID. So maybe everybody got to feel what that feels like a little bit and understand that a little bit more. But the isolation of not being able to create a community or to create a family when you've moved to a new place or even if you've lived there forever and you just cannot sort of join in to activities is thought to be hugely isolating and as we've seen in the last few years that definitely impacts far more than just communication it impacts mental health it impacts overall just general health I would say as well because you aren't able to express yourself in the same ways yeah I felt so honored and privileged when I first started the project of hearing people talk about how low literacy had affected their lives and you know how now that they you know someone can have a job or they could read knitting patterns or they could read cooking recipes those are things you don't think about um reading their medication you know very different things that you don't think about. You just usually think of a book or documents and things like that, but then you can't read job resumes. You can't write job resumes. You know, it's such a barrier to all aspects of people's lives that like PALS is really, it's everything to these people. And I really wanted to represent that. (laughs) Yeah. I've been watching the old Amazing Race videos, I think, because we're just so desperate to travel and looking at the street signs in other countries and watching other people try to navigate that and thinking about navigating street signs when you don't speak the language or when you can't read the signs. Yeah. Just looking at the frustration when you're in a different country and you might be completely literate in your own language, but you go to another country and you can't do that. You get that. You can appreciate that yeah. on a level if you actually connect it. Not everyone makes the connection, but you can appreciate that on that oh my gosh, what would this feel like if it was me in Canada and I was trying to get a job or I was trying, not just trying to win a race, but I was trying to absolutely do all of these things and become a part of a community where I don't have the connections that I had in my home country. Yeah, that was one of the things I put on the website too, is like navigating street signs. Can't do that if you can't read. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Maybe if they were numbers, maybe. But even numbers are different symbols depending yeah, on what even numbers, you know, that's something you guys teach is numeracy literacy, right? So yeah. even numbers. Yeah. When you were doing the research for literacy, was there anything that sort of stood out to you or like impacted you um, from just from people's stories and how all of that works with them being or yeah. needing to come to house? Yeah, I think like meeting people and seeing like how much it had affected their lives prior to getting help for it was just astounding. It was things that I'd never really thought about, you know, like things like knitting patterns was something I never would have thought about for not being able to read. Things like jobs, you know, not being able to read cleaning supplies. And one one woman couldn't work at Walmart because she couldn't read those cleaning supplies when it came to clean. So, you know, it's all these different aspects, you know, it just makes life impossible. And I, I never really thought about it that deep, but, you know, it really does make life quite impossible. And I think for, for me, like one of the most impactful things was, was creating that accessibility because you go on websites nowadays and 
yeah, there's really no way to, if you, for, for someone who wasn't literate to understand how to use that website, um, really thinking about accessibility now, I think like I go and read those guidelines and really try and make every website meet those guidelines, at least. I think it's just really seeing how much literacy affects digital use and everyday use is kind of incorporating that into the idea of accessibility when I design. I think that was really impactful. When you were doing this, you said that you'd taken your friends or classmates and you had them go and look at a website that was in a different language, right? Yeah, I think that was really telling. I gave them that website for a gym in Spain. So Spanish website and just kind of like, it's almost exactly like that experience some of them who knew a couple Spanish words could kind of make out some things and the people who didn't know anything couldn't make out anything. So it was kind of that variation, but people were just scrolling endlessly. I gave them a task. I said, can you find me how much money it is to get a bi-weekly gym membership? And you know, the words bi-weekly aren't there. The words gym membership aren't there for them. The navigation system became completely useless to them is what they said, completely useless. So they just had to click around and find anything. And the people who did find it, found it by going through every single page and then scrolling until they saw numbers and then taking a guess at which one of those numbers it would be. So it's a very, you know, websites completely useless to people who can't read. So I thought it was very interesting to see where they were clicking. I asked them how, for the people that did make it, you know, how did you get there? And it was simply just looking for numbers, symbols. And a lot of them said, you know, when I asked them, what would make it better for you? And they're like images, visuals, things that could tell, you know, show me what this is for. Cause all they knew was that it was a gym because there were pictures of gyms and weights and things like that. But other than that, nothing. Interesting. Yeah. I have one student and it's very cool to help her. We've been working on zoom and her computer is in English, except if you go into any Microsoft product in which she's set the language for oh, Greek. Yeah. I was like, uh, oh, she's like, oh, well, just tell me what you want me to read. And I was like, no, this is a good test for me because this is what it looks like to everyone else. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I think you should be pressing this button. And that one that comes up should say something like this. And it might be as simple as join here, click this. It's in like Word documents. And so like you're highlighting different things and maybe making them bold. That's, that's exactly the same English or Greek. But some of the steps to get through and you're going, okay, so I think it's under format mm-hmm. and then it should be and you're kind of guessing about halfway down and you're trying to remember the exact wording so that she can translate it and put it into Greek and then send it back to me as to which one it is or which one's close and I thought the process that this is is what they go through yes on every page on every website everywhere everything mm-hmm. because of the language barrier. And that language barrier isn't something you can solve, not easily. One of the things about design that I I do love is it's really thinking at the possibilities to what you can do with this, the, the problems that are presented to you, because it's not just always one solution. There's no one clear solution. 
to anything when it comes to design. It's a lot of looking at the possibilities and what you can do. And that takes a long time and it takes testing and it takes, it takes a while. Literacy and design are definitely can become a team to help each other. (laughs) I think that that's definitely something that should be continued. And I love that you've said that this, just doing this project will impact you as you go further. Yeah. I was correcting one of the websites, um, one of the pages that I had done and one for a nonprofit. And I noticed on the phone when there was the hamburger menu and I was thinking last night, I was like, well, I don't have time right now, but I'm going to think about how I can do a different thing than a hamburger menu. What is the next steps for you? Are you now looking for a job? Are you already working? Are you continuing in school? Yeah, I have a, I have a portfolio show, which is kind of like my own little job fair. So I'm going to go to that, see, see what I'm offered, see if I'm offered anything. Um, and then after that, I guess it's just like applying for jobs. I kind of already have one. I had someone contact me for a branding one. So we'll probably do a quick branding one before I get to the, what I would call it the in industry thing and just see, just kind of stand there, talk about my work, just like any job fair. So when you say you've got your um, design fair, that's not the mm-hmm. right word. What is it called? No, portfolio show. Your portfolio show coming up. That's like a job fair for you? Pretty much. We have like a ton of industry people from the, you know, the design world that come looking for people to hire or maybe not looking for people to hire. You get the chance to show all the work that you've done over, over the years and then have people talk to you about your work. And then if they're interested enough in the work that you've done, potentially hire you. So that's how it works. <laughs> Fascinating. I didn't realize that that's how it works. As trained as a teacher, you don't like, if you're, there's a job fair, you go and they're looking to hire you, but the, you just file through because there's so many of you, right? Yeah. No one comes to see your stuff. Yeah. It's different, right? When you like actually have stuff to show. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, so fascinating. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited to share the pals thing. Um, because I just have that as a capstone on the website for the school. So anyone who, who sees my profile will see the PALS thing that I did. So I'm excited to talk about that because I'm really proud of it. Well, you did a great job. It's fantastic. I love it. We wish you luck in whatever you're doing. And we want the best for you. And I'm very excited to see where you continue to go. And I would love for you to sort of keep in touch yeah. and let us know how things are going. And if you ever need any more information about accessibility or you have questions about how something might work we're of course open to that i want to thank you guys for the amazing experience and all the lessons in accessibility (laughs) well thank you for using them because it's fantastic we appreciate it very much and uh, our learners would love to see you around anytime i know that some of them asked where you were the next week and if you were coming (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. I was thinking about come back and try and teach a digital literacy class because I don't think there'd be a better lesson in, in UX UI, which is, you know, computers and apps and things like that than, than teaching one of those classes. I think that you've done a great job in making it so that people are way less afraid of pressing buttons online. And for that, we thank you very much. Well, thank you. It was it was a privilege to learn how to do that, honestly. And I'm glad that it worked because, you know, you kind of were walking in the dark. So I'm glad that I can see a little bit more of the light of accessibility. <laughs>
This podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all the First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our community.